This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 199. It started really early, and then I started being able to funnel those things into actual skills. I have to have an email because I have to be able to submit my stories to Oprah. This isn't the thing that I'm supposed to change. This is the thing that I'm, I'm supposed to be bold enough to take forward. You know, the frustration for a long time was like, how the heck do you make a business out of that? What does that even mean for me? This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. I knew I was looking for something. I could tell you exactly what I didn't want, but I had a really hard time defining what I wanted. This is Tanya. She came to HTYC looking for clarity. She needed to move forward. So that I had this great structure that I could talk to because it, it was the base of who I was with the additional piece of what I was looking for now. Listen for Tanya's story later on in the episode to learn how she used Career Change Bootcamp to help her finally figure out what fits her. It is the single best thing that I have done. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now, we get to bring on experts like Ada Bernier, who's the CEO and founder of Skill Crush, who learned to code after her fear of learning something new became smaller than her need to be valued. Now she teaches others to do the same. And people that have pretty amazing stories, like Michael Bigelow, who was able to embrace the opportunity to start a brand new career while moving to a new city. And these are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. Today, our guest is Maxie McCoy. I answer it based on what I am on this earth to do right now, which is I'm pure and simple. I'm obsessed with giving people the tools they need to believe in themselves. Um, I think that self-belief and that confidence is just opens up a gate to truly being able to move our lives forward. And then the way I describe going about doing that is really simply, I write and I speak, um, and that takes a number of different forms. Maxie and I get to dive deep into confidence and particularly some of the misconceptions around confidence because it doesn't just show up. It actually requires to it requires us to build it over time. And Maxi helps us understand how we can do that and some actionable ways that we can do that and listen for that later on in the episode. And also we talk about how to create a bigger appetite for discomfort because the magic happens, well, outside of your comfort zone. And we talk about how examining the worst case scenario can actually help move you past your fear. So if you want to want to learn how to do that and how to actually employ that, that's something that's been really helpful to me and Maxi too. So listen for that a bit later. And taking risk. Well, <laughs> we've talked a lot about taking risk on this show, but Maxi and I get into how taking the risk and showing up and taking small steps creates serendipity and a few other things that create serendipity too. And, and that'll show up in your life. So listen for all that and plenty more just a little bit later on in the episode. 
anytime I say that to somebody, whether it's in a cab or, you know, in a lift line here in San Francisco, they're like, oh, it's very kindergarten of you. (laughs) (laughs) It works. You know, it works. (laughs) (laughs) How kindergarten of you, Maxie. That's that's hilarious. That's quite the response, guys. Thanks. I was looking for, you know, maybe something a little bit, uh, a little bit different. So I'm, that makes me even more curious then where, where did all that start for you? Let, you know, let's let's go way back here. I'm going to go back all the way to, you know, obsessing over, you know, watching Oprah from the very second I had a TV on and you'll totally appreciate this. Yeah. My, I, you know, would watch and watch. I'm like, Oh my God, I love her. <laughs> I would write, I would pitch stories, you know, anytime they're like, Oh, we're, we're interviewing people about this. And I would always try and get on the show. Um, I don't know what kind of things I was coming up with as a young kid. Um, but I was just always obsessed with, you know, broadcasting, with writing, with her, with, um, you know, just this entire idea of being able to put these messages out into the world. And she actually, is Oprah is the reason that I got my first email address because I would always be writing in stories. And then there was a period of time where they shifted, you know, as the internet came to be, yeah. um, shift to submitting via email. So my first email address was because I pulled my big sister aside. and was like, Megan, I have to have an email because I have to be able to submit my stories to Oprah. <laughs> so one day we're going to go back and we're going to be able to find ridiculous things that I was saying. Um, it just has been, you know, it's, it's been in, it's been in my DNA um, to be able to, you know, use my voice, my natural inclination of being comfortable in front of groups, um, conveying messages, being a very, you know, naturally passionate person. Um, and then it just became for me, a journey of figuring out where, where do you focus that in a way that's both true to me and can be um, of the highest value and of the highest intent to help other people. I'm curious. So I've gotten to know you a little bit and I think I know what you mean when, when you say that, but everybody else is getting to know you right now. When you say of the highest intent to be, you know, to help other people, what, what what do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, being able to hold up a mirror so that other people can see what I see, which is that they have everything they need to be able to do what it is they want to do, whether that's a job transition, whether that's launching their own business, whether that is, you know, really just taking the next step in their life that might seem a little bit scary at the time. For me, it really is just being able to hold up that mirror so that they can see um, their own potential and their own ability and believe in that to be able to take that action. That's what I mean by that. Interesting. I love that. Absolutely love that. So I I am curious then, where do you think, where do you think all these things come from for you? Was, was it just sort of, I mean, you talked about being comfortable in front of, in front of groups, you know, was that something you were just born with and kind of grew up with? And that was that way. Uh, Where, where does this stuff start for you? You know, what's interesting about that question is at the time as it, I mean, it's, it started young, I, you yeah. know, there's so many stories of me just either, you know, always, it, it looked negative, honestly, to be at the, at the time, um, you know, people telling me I was too loud, people telling me I talked too much, people telling me that, you know, like, whether it was, you know, just wanting to be in front of people or, or whatever that was, um, it started really early. And then I started being able to funnel those things into 
actual skills, you know, then it was like, okay, I wanted to do theater, or then I, you know, wanted to be on the speech and debate team, um, you know, as you're kind of getting older, and then, you know, into sports broadcasting, and we'll get into the story eventually, but it was like this refinement of taking things that were natural to me, and honestly, getting a lot of crap for, um, you know, growing up, whether it was from friends, or people around you, or, you know, neighbors who were trying to, like, put their thumb on your fire to make you like more normal. (laughs) I've never been a normal human, (laughs) Um, quote unquote. And what's amazing, and this is, you know, something that I build into the framework of, of, you know, really talking to people about believing in themselves or often, you know, those, those differences, the things that have made us unique from a really young age that we, we try and fit into someone else's mold or society's mold or Instagram's mold um, are the exact things. And I'm sure you have a very similar story. And because often those who have really started to showcase their talents for the good of other people have this similar um, just kind of story arc of these things that made us different that, you know, thanks to a mentor, thanks to a community, thanks to our own development, um, really started to be able to like, oh, holy cow, this isn't the thing that I'm supposed to change. This is the thing that I'm I'm supposed to be bold enough to take forward. Um, and for me, that really was, you know, being able to to have a message, to, to be comfortable with groups, to be writing, um, to be just this like cheerleader. Like I've always been a cheerleader for people without being an actual cheerleader. Um, and, and, you know, the frustration for a long time was like, how the heck do you make a business out of that? What does that even mean for me? Um, and slowly but surely, you know, it, it has, it has turned into this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very grateful. That is, that is so interesting. And I, I love that you bring that up. We actually call that whole concept of, um, the, I'm going to call it the you know negative side of the things that are innately you. We call it your anti-strengths, which is sort of the, yes. I don't know, perceived downside of, <laughs> and we had to make up yeah. a term for it because I couldn't find another term out there. There's yeah. probably one. I, but, like shadows, like the shadows yeah. to your strengths. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like what other people will perceive sometimes as the downside and what we even perceive as the downside to the stuff that is uh, ingrained yes. in us and the stuff that we're actually good at. There's There's always two sides to it, right? There are, there are. And like when you, you know, you talk about strengths, my biggest strength is strength is woo, which is winning others over. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so amazing as a, as a tool in my business, but the shadow to woo is, you know, the people that you're the most comfortable with, you recharge with. So you kind of, you know, yeah. you slump a little, you're not as on. And, and for me in my own, you know, just personal life and development, I had to realize how to, you know, how to taper that so that, a whole bunch of strangers weren't getting the best of me. And then the people closest to me were getting like maxi recharging because that's not fair. (laughs) So I hear you. I hear you. And it looks a lot of different ways over the course of our life. I don't think people think about that though. So for you, I mean, it it sounds like it really came out where, uh, how did you put it? People were sort of putting their thumb on you, trying to make you more normal. Yeah, Um, Putting their thumb on my fire. (laughs) Yeah. Putting your thumb on your fire. But I I think that that's kind of the progression as you, you called it the story arc, but I think that everybody goes through to, to some degree, because I don't think anybody's normal, really, truly. No one is normal. We're only as normal as we let other voices allow us to be. Okay, so knowing that, and as as you're like trying to find <laughs> find a way out from other people's thumbs on your fire, and yeah. where where did you end up moving into your first professional gig that ah. you 
uh, well, let's let's start there. How about let's start there? Where where was where so, was your first? Yeah, so all of this started to evolve. I played volleyball in college, and I have you know grown up in Texas, the biggest football fan. I was obsessed with sports, oh, yeah. um, part of a sports family, and then an athlete myself. And so, in college, to me, it was you know my holy grail of an experience was. Um, was being able to intern at ESPN. That was the only thing I wanted. Um, if you know anything about this internship, it's some ridiculous number, like 30,000 people apply and like 72 kids get it. Yeah. Um, and I just made those numbers up, by the way, but it literally is something like that. And I will never forget just being like, holy cow. Um, I knew I wanted to eventually end up there, you know, I always thought I wanted to be in communications and PR um, during the time in college. I had gone into college knowing, like, I'm going to be a journalism major. You know, I love communication more than anything. From the, you know, day I stepped foot on campus, I knew that's that's what was up. <laughs> um, and, you know, ended up having no idea how I'm going to end up at ESPN when, the, you know, nothing but the numbers are against me and I don't have any contacts there. And, and my junior year, I decided, I'm like, well, no, nothing's going to stop me. Um, and I joined a few associations where I knew they gave you the manual of people who worked, um, who worked at, you know, various companies and all their contact information that was part of the, you know, joining the association. And so one of them, I took a highlighter to the directory. It was association of women in sports media. Uh I hired, I highlighted every single woman that worked for ESPN and cold emailed them. Uh, the woman who, the only woman to respond was the highest ranked woman there at the time. She started with a company. Uh, her name was Rosa Gaddy. She took a chance on me. She took a phone call. She took my resume. She circulated all of it. She said, you know, I'm going to help you. Um, and then the rest is, you know, kind of my, my door to run through. And so I ended up getting an internship at ESPN, which was like, I'll never forget that interview um, or that entire experience. And what ended up coming of it is I was in the communications department and I looked around me and I just, I felt it. I was like, you know, this is amazing on Facebook. <laughs> it's amazing to tell people that this is what, you know, this is my first big internship. My, you know, coming to towards the end of college is the big first thing that I'm doing. Um, had always had small jobs before that, but this was, you know, a big name, a big ego boost, to be honest. And yeah. um, it just then became became a conversation of looking around and knowing I just felt it. Like I felt the emptiness of like, Oh, this is just like this kind of, this coolness wore off. Um, and now, you know, what do I do with this? And there was a, someone in internal, the internal communications department that pulled me aside and the internal comms at ESPN, they have an entire internal uh, TV show and, and different programming. And so, and that goes to all, you know, like 7,000 employees around the world. And what ended up happening is he was like, you really have a face and a voice and just an energy for on-camera work. Do you want to give it a try? So we did that together. I loved it. And then I started baking in all of my experiences after that, um, you know, just from various internships to doing stuff with NFL films to doing some, you know, uh, freelance stuff for ESPNU while I was still in college. And then my first big opportunity Outside of college, um, you know, once I really got some some real chops underneath me, um, meaning, you know, like got myself on camera, had a lot of clips, had put it into a reel, um, landed at Fox Sports Southwest in Dallas, which is my hometown, yeah. um, covering covering high school football. 
And that is like the end all be all of the Southern sports. And this segment was like literally three minutes every week. <laughs> like it was like this, like nothing thing, but it was such a big deal to me. And was a, it was a, you know, I'm in a top five market um, at FSN and it was, it was a really massive, you know, kind of entrance into the world and, and something that I was just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm doing it. Like my, my big star, of a goal is to to host Sports Center on ESPN one day, and and so it was a, it was a great first beginning to that. That is super cool. That is super cool yeah. in a in a lot of different ways. So, but it also begs the question of what happened. <laughs> what happened from there? Now I want to know more. Okay, so you you did all the yeah you did all this. Uh, first of all, let's just acknowledge that you took the time to cold email an entire wow. list of people after yeah. identifying where you could get access to, to these people's contact information in the first place, which is huge. Like very, very, very few people are willing to take the time to do that. My God, I'm the scrappiest. Like if I want to find you, I'm going to find you. I, I love <laughs> <Because> that. <laughs> my dad always said, and and I still tell people this all the time and I think it to myself, you know, the yeah. worst they can say is no. Exactly. So, so after that, after the the um, the on air gig at Fox, so I was there, and you know it was contractually through the season, um, and then you know was kind of dabbling in like learning to edit. There were a lot of big time broadcasters down there who had a lot of advice for me, had a lot of um, you know thoughts, and and I just felt myself looking around. I I knew pretty clearly that if I wanted to move up, um, and and you know obviously got this direction and this advice. I truly needed to go make my reps and more importantly, my mistakes, um, in a smaller market. And so, you know, I started doing the dance of, you know, talking to small markets, interviewing with small markets, um, for their morning shows to host the news show, you know, things that have like very little circulation and and nobody's really, or viewership, I should say, no one's really watching so that I can just get all of this kind of under my belt in a way that I hadn't had. But the thing was, is as I was doing that, it just, none of it felt right. It just did not feel right. And, and I couldn't, there was a lot of things that were happening for that. You know, was it the fact that I didn't want to read sports scores off of a teleprompter for the rest of my life? Probably. Was it that, you know, I have this big shiny goal of wanting to end up in Bristol, Connecticut, which is where ESPN headquarters is one day, but I know what Bristol looks like. And like, that's not that exciting actually. (laughs) Um, Probably. Um, Is it because know, when I look at these small markets that I'm interviewing with, and I think about where did any of any of these people end up who started their jobs here, not anywhere I want to be, the people that I want to be, you know, when, and they were experts in something other than being a broadcaster, truly, like you look at Savannah Guthrie, and she was a phenomenal, a phen- and she's the host of of the Today Show, yeah. she was a phenomenal lawyer in Arizona and and then made her way over, right? And so all of this really started to matriculate for me. And I really started to think about how, you know, digital is changing the face of everything that we do. Um, I didn't have a language for it at the time, other than it just felt like a total meltdown inside my soul. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, in hindsight, it's 2020. I know all the things that, that were going on for me at the time. So I just... You know, you know, serendipitously, there's a lot of serendipity and grace in in my own story, which we'll continue to get to. But 
I had a trip booked to San Francisco, some really strong mentors out here, had my best friend from college out here. And at the time where I was, you know, doing these interviews with the morning shows, you know, not wanting to take these small gigs in these small towns, like it just, like, I'm like, I don't need, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, it was a, you know, early onset quarter life crisis, I think at the time. Yeah. And and I had the opportunity to take a job out here with a mentor of mine um, who was running a nonprofit that still had a sports component to it. And, you know, that was nothing that was ever in my plan. I'm a very goal-oriented, futuristic person. It was never in my plan. Um, but something about it just felt right. Coming to the city felt right. Working in this like really intense situation with someone who had a, a an absolute amazing amount of business experience um, and really high level business experience felt right. And so I just made the decision to leave Dallas and move to San Francisco um, and embark on a very different journey in terms of work. It still had the sports piece, but I was like, okay, maybe this is what I'm looking for. Maybe I'm looking for the thing that um, has more meaning in life than just a lot of hair and makeup and like being in front of the camera, which is like what things were starting to feel like for me because it wasn't, it it wasn't aligned with with what I was really here to do. So, let me ask you about that then, yeah, because that is the struggle that so many people that are listening to this right now are really kind of wrangling with. I and hear you. How, how did you start to identify, I mean, it sounds like partially you're taking a chance and everything like that, and partially you're relying on, on gut feeling, but how did you ever start to identify that, Hey, this is what I need to take a chance on? Yeah, I think, I think at that point in time, it was just a matter of, it was a matter of just, I was so like what felt like so lost. I didn't even know, you know, I wasn't even sure what to do again. Like it, it, it was an opportunity that was there. It felt right. And so, so I did that. However, you know, when you fast forward in the story, I have like much clearer advice. Um, Cause when you fast forward in this story, taking that role wasn't, you know, I got nine months in Scott and I was like, yeah. this was not, this was not it. Like I was just, I, I was again, you know, looking around myself, I'm like, this is so not it either. Like I'm not actually passionate about kids. Like literacy isn't my thing in life. Um, you know, it has sports, but that's kind of ancillary. And like, is sports even what I'm here to do? Um, and so I just then decided, you know, almost from a place of being on my knees and, and really not knowing anymore, like really in this place of, of discomfort and not knowing what to do next and not even knowing who to talk to um, or what, it, like job boards didn't mean anything to me because I had no idea what I was doing. And so I got really clear with myself and was like, okay, you're going to peel back the onion on the things that are, that are core to you. And in the same way that I knew how to step foot on that college campus at the age of 18 and say, I'm signing up to major in journalism for the next four years, you know, writing has always been my first love. Um, and, and so I was like, okay, I'm miserable in my work. So how do I go back to, to my first love, to something that I love to do that's creative for me, that, um, that really fuels me? And then what do I want to write about? And, you know, I just looked back on 
years of having so many friends asking for me, you know, just wanting my advice um, in specific areas, in the areas of career, in the areas of what they're doing with their life, um, which is ironic because I was at a period of time where I had no idea what I was doing with mine, but I've always been an achiever. So yeah, did I hide that stuff a a little bit? Sure. Um, But I'm just, I'm the one that everybody has always called or shot their resume over to, or wanted to know how to connect or how to best write that email or, you know, whatever it is, it was just a natural inclination and a natural magnetism that I had on those topic areas with, um, you know, not only with friends, but with, you know, younger teammates, people in, you know, the sports department, whatever it was. And so I signed up for a writing class here in San Francisco, and it was working with a, um, a nonfiction agent. And she, you know, you had to come in with an idea. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my Tuesday nights to this. Um, and I'm going to write about the thing that really fires me up, which is the importance of mentors and sponsors, because what Rosa had done for me getting me into ESPN, you know, what someone had done for me getting me that first job in San Francisco, um, you know, down to, I got, I got the Fox opportunity because of, because of somebody who was really, you know, was a a mentor and, and believed in me and was willing to hand my stuff over. Every awesome step I had ever had, had, had come from a relationship, had come from somebody, you know, putting their, you know, a little bit of their political capital out. And I had seen how that had moved me forward in those deep relationships that I had built. And so I just started writing about it. I was writing a book proposal about the importance of, you know, mentors and sponsors when it came to specifically millennial women and and their careers. And, you know, wanted to interview really, you know, kind of high profile leaders and was, you know, putting all of this together. One of my classmates, she brought in the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle, um, the business section. And on the front of it were the founders of two company, or, sorry, two founders of a company called Levo, um, which is the number one destination for millennials in their careers. And I got into contact with them. And that ended up being the, the rocket ship that launched my career. Got into contact with them. Um, they were building a business around the same principles as my book proposal and just on the book proposal, you could just insert something that I was wanting to write about. Um, the format was just a proposal because that was the class. Um, and so I started writing for them and getting to know their product. And sure enough, over the course of about 12 weeks, um, I was put in a position where I got to create my position with them. Um, I was like the fifth or sixth employee and I spent the following three years on the road building out the global communities in 30 cities around the world and all the curriculum that went into that and had the role of a lifetime uh, and one that propelled me. That is the only, you know, the the biggest reason I am where I am today um, and is just the most magical star aligning grace of an experience. Um, And all of that came from really stepping back into roots and really asking myself the tough questions of, you know, what is it? Like, what do I do um, when all else is going wrong? And what are the things that I really care about? Um, and, and putting the focus back there. And then it just ended up opening up the, you know, the, the opportunity that changed everything for me. I knew I was looking for something. I could tell you exactly what I didn't want, but I had a really hard time defining what I wanted. 
Tanya struggled with what she wanted in her career and her life. It really came down to my need to find a career in which I, A, could be proud of, B, could develop myself and grow more with. Career Change Bootcamp helped her realize what she really wanted, and she went to work on figuring it out. Because you're going to get so much more out of it based upon what you put into it. Tanya now had a plan to take action. It has brought me from a place of not knowing, a place of not being confident in being able to bring myself to others and to explain who and what I am. Having a great plan wasn't the only thing she gained from Career Change Bootcamp, though being able to present myself to my peers uh, and having that confidence to be able to do that in a manner that resonated. Congratulations to Tanya on finding work that she loves with her dream company, Wanderlust. If you also wanna figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, find out how Career Change Bootcamp can help you step-by-step. Go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on Career Change Bootcamp or Text my coach to 44222. Pause right now and we'll send over the application. Just text my coach to 44222. I can honestly say that I would not be where I'm at today without the HTYC crew. You know, that's that's so interesting. I mean, you just threw a one-liner out there that said, hey, it came from essentially this reflection piece and being uh, doing the hard work there and everything along those lines. And then, yeah. and then you said, hey, just putting the focus back there. But I think there's so much buried in in that too, yep. when you say there's putting the focus back there. So uh, what I'm hearing from that and just the stories that you described is you identified some of the things that were important to you. One of those was writing as an example, and then right. said, look, how am I going to embed this into my life? And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with too, is like, okay, so first of all, it's hard to identify those things that are really important to us. Second yeah. of all, how am I going to actually tough. get it into, into my life? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's tough. all tough. And then you, it's all tough. yeah, you took a and class I on just, it, right? Well, yeah, I took a class on and it. And then. I think, but I think what's interesting about that is, you know, when we're in these really tough moments, the ones that make us feel like we're in the middle of some, you know, career crisis that we're, that we're mind-blowingly just like screwing up or wrong or, you know, lost or yeah. however we want to describe it, those are actually like those blow-ups are what allow the magic to show up if you're looking. Yes. And and it's it's really being able to not make a disaster of your life when it's feeling like a disaster and treating it as, you know, as a, a guardrail and these bumpers and these big blinking neon signs that force you to look elsewhere. And and so I think like reframing the, you know, the negative stuff that we're going to and really being able to look at, okay, you know, if, if all of this is going wrong and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the sense of a career move, but just in something that lights us up again, um, it's something that allows us to create something that allows us to just, you know, have an outlet. You never know where that stuff's going to go. It doesn't always have to be for money in the beginning. Mine wasn't, you know, mine was just, I just have to get creativity back in my life. Um, I just have to be exercising passion again. And then that led to, you know, this insane, insane opportunity and experience. Okay. Let's acknowledge serendipity for just a second, partially because I haven't had any good serendipity conversations in a while. And I want to ask you a few questions about it. And partially because you mentioned that that was going to come back around earlier. And I think it did, but I also heard you say 
that, oh my goodness, I thought I wrote it down. I didn't. It was so good. It was so good. Maxie will have to replay it. <laughs> uh, but, but you alluded to that, look, you, you know, you sort of have to, you sort of have to take what is important to you and then embed this in your life. And you kind of have to intentionally decide that that's going to happen mm-hmm. in some way. So is serendipity all that serendipitous? And I don't know. No. How, do you, how do you think about that? How, how do you, how <laughs> okay, do you think about so that? So this is, yeah. So this is how I think about this. Um, you're going to appreciate this. I got shirts printed that say hashtag universe on them <laughs> because I'm so obsessed with universe moments and how they have, yeah. um, you know, both in what they, they communicate to me and how they show up in my life in really, really meaningful ways. And, and a universe moment to me is serendipity. It's something that is a really meaningful coincidence that I, you know, isn't actually a coincidence. Um, you know, sometimes I refer to it as grace, you know, and what is important in that is that you are, you are taking chances. You are putting the work in. Um, you are, you know, your nose is to the grindstone and that then allows something that in hindsight is like, oh my God, because this writing class, Scott, I yeah. was two seconds from never signing up for it. I didn't think that I had the balls to not work on Tuesday evenings because I was working that much and I was scared to tell the person I was working for that my Tuesday nights were now off the grid because I had three hours in a class um, every Tuesday. That like really made me nervous because I was that like on demand working style. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a financial investment that you know having just moved to San Francisco and and getting used to what life looked like here kind of made me. Um, not that I couldn't do it, not that it was irresponsible. I was just trying to decide like, is there, is, is this the right place to put my money? And, um, and you know, it just, I was like, ah, this all feels hard. Like this, these are conversations I don't want to have. This is, you know, kind of some budgeting I don't want to do. Um, and then I woke up one morning and I was like, no, like I am just, no, like I'm signing up for this. This feels right. Gotta sign up for this. Um, and you know, less than six weeks later, somebody is putting something in front of me that I never would have seen. I never would have read. I don't read the Chronicle. (laughs) I never would have known about these girls building this business until it was probably like what it is now, you know? Um, And so that to me is, it was me taking the risk. It was me showing up every Tuesday. It was me, you know, taking the time to write about these things that were super important. Um, And then that allowed the serendipity to show up. And now I remember what it was that you said. It's the yes. the paying attention part of it after taking actions like that. Yeah. That allows that yeah. to show up. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It is. It's, you know, it's put, it's just lifting your head up, you know, like paying attention to our lives, um, both in the things that energize us, paying attention to, to people and connection. Like it is you know, just kind of stepping away from all the crap sometimes to take it all in, which is like a whole other like wellness and stillness uh, topic that we could get on. But, but yeah, like it's important. So that, that leads us down a completely different road though, because it took, it took a, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it a confidence moment. Cause I wanted to, yeah. I, yeah. I, to be able to say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my boss, I can't be available on Tuesday nights because Tuesday nights. yeah. And I'm going to, you know, decide that I've got the confidence to plunk my money down here, invest in myself wow. in this particular way. And that's something that so many of us really struggle with. So I, I would love to, one delve into this this confidence piece because mm-hmm. 
a lot of times that's the core of what stops us from acting, at least as near as I can tell, um, and some of the fears that come along with uh, the anti-confidence, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. And then mm-hmm. uh, how do we actually do something about that? I guess that's that's where yeah. I'd love to get to, too. So, yeah, you know, all, all the think... answers and all the people, all the things like ready, <laughs> go. <laughs> I know there's so many. There's so many. Yeah. You know, I think that the the confidence piece really, it depends on where in your journey you're at of what this deep sense of self-belief and, and it doesn't just show up one day, right? It is, no. it is a number of, and I know you're very much about this as well, but it's, it's the small actions that breed self-efficacy. Um, you know, the stepping into the unknown is a really big one when it comes to um, being able to get more and more comfortable to know that you did it this time because you did it last time and you lived. Um, You know, there were periods of time where having this conversation of saying, you know, Tuesday nights, I'm not available. was like the biggest, toughest conversation I had to have. You fast forward to, you know, two, three, three and a half years. um, And I'm then saying I'm getting rid of everything I own, leaving this job I love. I'm moving to Bali for a year and I'm launching my own business. Um, And so that took probably a much higher sense of self-belief than that small conversation did, you know, three and a half years before it. Um, However, they all matter just as much. But what happens is when you're willing to tiptoe into that level of discomfort, which is required for anything that we want to do. I know it sounds like the most cliche thing in the entire world, um, but the magic in life absolutely happens outside of your comfort zone. That doesn't matter if you're starting your own business, asking for more in a negotiation, you know, asking for what you need in flexibility, You know, starting a blog and putting your writing out into the world. All of that requires an appetite for discomfort that naturally we all like to shy away from. And the, what happens, though, is as soon as you do something that makes you uncomfortable, um, as soon as you tiptoe there, you realize, I made it through that. Like, I lived. Also, I'm super happy about the outcome. Um, <laughs> And, and that I did it. And that starts to build this wheel of I can do this. And then the discomfort that you have an appetite for gets even bigger. And what you're willing to do now versus what I was willing to do four years ago are game changing when it comes to moving my life forward. But that one was just as important. And so I think it's, you know, one of the one of the steps in, in really being able to, to build that sense of self-belief is knowing, you know, you don't have to be comfortable in order to believe in your, you know, you don't have to believe in yourself in order to make that uncomfortable, com, you know, conversation or decision. Actually, taking that uncomfortable decision or step forward is what is going to build you believing in yourself. That almost seems a little bit like a, I don't know, catch 22 probably isn't the right term for it, but it's like, Hey, yeah, in order to get, in order to get more comfortable with stuff, in order to build confidence, you got to be uncomfortable and have no confidence in in a particular area before you do it. Right. Like nobody goes into this and they're like, Oh yeah, it's no big deal before it is no big deal. It's always a, I mean, it always is a big deal. And, you know, the things that were, you know, the small discomforts that then become bigger discomforts are beautiful reflection of where you moved your life to, but they all matter. And so, you know, anyone who doesn't feel confident enough, doesn't believe in themselves enough 
to, you know, to make these decisions that are really hard. For me, that's another piece of the puzzle, which is why people and um, your community are one of the most important things that you can have um, and that you can fuel yourself with because Tony Robbins says this, and I'm obsessed with this quote, you know, our success is a direct reflection of the expectation of our friend group, of our peer group. And so when you look around the people, the people around you, if they're expecting you to stay small, if they're expecting you to just keep doing what everyone else is doing and not take the risks and like, why would you mess with that? You have a good thing going. That's going to be where we stay. But if you surround yourself with people who believe that you're going to be president of the United States of America, um, who believe that you are going to go launch that company and get it funded, who believe you know that you are the next best effing podcaster on the the planet, <laughs> um, Scott. Uh, yeah. already best. you, you know, what starts to happen is eventually your expectations will match theirs and they help fill the void of when you're really unwilling to step into that discomfort. And when you're really unwilling to, um, you're just scared their opinions of you and how awesome you are, their support of you, their vision for your future, um, is enough to propel you into that. Um, and also let's not underestimate the importance of sticky notes <laughs> with inspiration <laughs> of how you can do this, because trust me, in some of my hardest decisions, I, you just have to do the, the simplest, most tactical things to remind yourself, I can step into this no, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Okay. So let's, uh, let's pause for a moment and, uh, I'm super curious. Let's let's get real tactical here for just a second, yeah, and we can please. even compare notes. I'm, what, so sticky notes are one, uh, and sounds yeah. like sticky notes with quotes. Even is that what I took from that? What are some of the really tactical ways that you use to remind yourself and kind of bathe yourself yeah. in those? There's just like they're just small reminders, right? So <laughs> sticky notes is a real thing. Um, I when I was making a decision to go out onto my own and work for myself, and and you know, yeah. move on from the the position of building out the global communities at Lavo and running those. I was just couldn't believe this decision that I had to make and how scared I was and all the tough conversations that were a part of it. And so I bathed my desk and my laptop with really cheesy quotes that said things like big magic requires big discomfort. <laughs> um, like the, all the most like just cliche things. And I just put, and I just to be able to talk myself out of fear because all of that fear and all of that suffering is just your mind. Like it is just your mind going haywire. And so that brings me to another piece. Mm -hmm. Mantras for me are massive because truly so much of this is just controlling our thoughts and not believing all of them. And being able to monitor your thoughts um, is a really big piece of, of developing the confidence we, we want in order to um, go after whatever that, you know, fill in the blank is. So explain so, that really quick. Uh, when you say monitor your thoughts, I believe I know what you mean, but for everybody else. Yeah, yeah it's paying attention to the thoughts that are happening in your head, um, whether, you know, it's, it's 
you know, your thoughts, your mind going just crazy saying you're making the worst decision. You don't have what it takes. Um, you know, whatever those just kind of cycle of thoughts that have to happen, you're going to go broke, all of this stuff. Um, and paying attention to those thoughts and being able to just immediately shut them down. I shut them down by saying mantras. Um, like one of mine is I always just, if I'm worried about the future, I just repeat, like, trust it, trust it, trust it. Um, that's one of just finding, you know, these, these sentences that you can repeat when you feel like your brain is just sending all of these thoughts that are very fear driven. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, that's, that's one, that's a big one for me. Very cool. Very cool. I, uh, trying to think might've changed a lot over the years. Um, I use mantras too. One that is like, (laughs) I'm thinking in my head, it sounds ridiculously simple or maybe even silly a little bit, but it works for me. And it's just the simple, you can do this actually. So here's a, here's a funny thing I realized just the other day. Apparently I say this so often that my daughter, I saw just the other, she's eight. Um, she was going into a play and she's like at the door. And then I heard her as she's going in, she's like, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. So I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't even realize like that. Uh, I do that that, that often. That makes but. my entire heart swell. And, <laughs> but you want to know what? You bring up a really important point that like, you know, even in the way that you say, like it feels silly. Some of the most tactical things feel like whether we call them silly, whether yeah. we call them cliche or duh or whatever, actually doing them is, it makes a real difference. And, you know, success leaves a trail, success leaves clues. You talk to anyone um, who has consistently pushed their life to be bigger. It requires a level of discomfort and it requires some of these tactical things that seem really simple, but when they're built into rituals or a lifestyle, um, really make a difference. One of my favorites, you yeah. know, as, as another one that I think is really helpful for people as they're thinking about transitioning into something they've never done. If they're thinking about, you know, moving into a new career, starting one, worst case scenarios have been a, a massive gift for me. <laughs> Not that I'm obsessed with tragedy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you sit down and look at a situation and think about, what is the worst case scenario that could possibly happen here? And write it all down and write it in the most detail and then get really comfortable with what that situation or scenario is. What you often find is you're like, okay, this isn't actually the worst. I can completely handle this. Like, it, you know, this would just mean X, Y, and Z. And when you're ready for that, if you can handle that, then you can go and make the decision because what I have found from talking to so many people and in my own life is that A, that worst case scenario, nine times out of 10 is never going to happen. If it does happen, you just figure it out. Like you find a way. My worst case scenario actually kind of did happen. Um, and it was all fine while I was in it. I was like, okay, like I'm coming up with solutions. This is totally fine. That is fantastic. I, I've done that exact same thing yeah. as well. And it sort of, dis- it, how shall I put it? For me, it helps me dissipate the fear a little bit. It doesn't totally take 100%. it away, but it ratchets it down quite a bit. Yeah. So it th- does. Yeah. This is uh this is, you are truly a delight. 
I think that's the right uh, word. Delight. That's the first one that pops you. into my mind. You're delightful, thank Maxie. <laughs> oh, I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that. I just, you know, I have both been through this experience that so many people are in and, you know, and it's a, it's a constant journey. It's a constant, um, process of figuring this out. But, you know, when you can start to look at yourself and know that you actually do have everything it takes to do this, the path changes, um, in a really beautiful way. Maxie, this has been phenomenal and I so appreciate you making the time. I am curious, just a couple of questions here. Uh, One, if people loved what they heard, where can they get, where can they get more Maxie? And then two, yeah, where can they get more? And then two, what, what are you working on right now? What are, what are the things that you're excited about? Uh, uh, Tell us a little bit of all of those things, all of it, all all of of those things. Well, they all go together and I, I so appreciate you asking. So Everything with me um, can be found on my site. It's MaxieMcCoy.com. And then all of my handles are at MaxieMcCoy. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page, um, it's all there. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do on on my site that I'm really, really passionate um, about and that people can look at too is, is really having a community. You know, I mentioned it in the in the um, the aspect of, of how people can mirror back our own success. And so what that is, is, is monthly we have a theme. Um, you know, I, I'm obsessed with building out curriculum. So I build out worksheets and webinars that all are dedicated to a theme. So you can find all of that on my site too. If, if you want to go, you know, a little bit deeper beyond, um, the writing and the videos that I do weekly. Um, and then I have so many exciting things happening, uh, right now for my business. You know, I know you and I were just talking about, yeah. we're both a little bit, you know, over a year, year plus of, of going out on own. And, and one of the big things that has come up for me is I've actually partnered with Microsoft on this amazing campaign that we have put so much love into called how to land your dream job. Um, you know, just really understanding that so many people are looking for that opportunity that allows them to put a lot of, a lot of, um, intention back into their lives because our careers are a cornerstone of, of so much of what we do, especially, um, especially this day and age. And so what we, what I got to do as a part of that campaign, which is really cool is, is talk to people about, you know, this, this self-reflection, this belief piece of, you know, the things that you can do to really look inwards first, um, figure out what makes you tick and then have the right tools to showcase that. So what we did together is we came up with all my maxi tips, um, both like in the job search with resume, with Skype, you know, kind of pulling on my broadcast experience. And then we worked with Moo, who's an amazing, um, amazing digital print and design company. They actually did all my cards and my thank yous and all that jazz. So I, I was a lover of them long before this. And we created resume templates that are super beautiful, super functional, so that all of us, when, you know, we don't want to have to deal with a resume, um, can just, you know, have something that allows us to, you know, showcase who we really are to people in a way that is beautiful in a way that really um, is, a, is a good physical manifestation of who we are. So that one, that's at office.com backslash dream job. That's the big thing I'm working on now that I just am, am so excited and passionate about. That is that is super cool. And I didn't tell you this yeah. last time, but I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are doing that because last time around when 
when those original, the original Microsoft Word templates got put in, that's what everybody mm-hmm. used as a standard. And <laughs> Microsoft made a good attempt and they're doing a good thing and putting it into the world, but it got used as a standard and all of a sudden yeah, it was no. the socially accepted thing and it was, okay. it, it wasn't the best. So I'm so excited that, uh, that you're working so to we, improve we, those. And we upped the game. You have we upped the, the game. game. Next we up the game and they're all still there. So you'll see them and they're all in word. So yeah. they're, they're there. We up the game. We got some, they got some, you know, I like to think smart people involved. <laughs> uh, Nobody's biased here or anything, but to, I agree. Oh, not at all. To, to really help and, and put some pointers in there and, and really help it, you know, be a best reflection of who we are. So. This is so cool. Thank you so much again. I, I do really appreciate you making the time, Maxie. And it's Scott, been a pleasure. You. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, are you ready to find work that fits you? Then I want you to go ahead and sign up for our eight-day Figure It Out mini course that helps you get clear on what you want in your new career so that you can begin living that life that you're excited about. All you have to do is text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. Go ahead and text HAPPEN right now to 44222, and we'll get you signed up. Or you can go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Head on over there, and we can help you make it happen and learn what you actually want for your new career. Hey, HTYCers. This is obviously not Scott. This is Josh Rivers. I am behind the scenes and I am going to be taking over for just a minute here. Next week, we have the 200th episode of Happen to Your Career coming to you. And it is actually a surprise for Scott as well. So he has no idea what's going on and it is making him incredibly nervous and excited at the same time. And so we're excited to be able to share this with you. And so here is just a quick snippet for what's going to be coming up next week. I went from one job to another and for usually the same reasons ended up dissatisfied uh, with a number of different jobs that I'd held. But the bigger challenge for me, the bigger issue, I wasn't really totally sure that I wanted to continue what I was doing, which was digital marketing. I think he could legitimately create world peace. That's right. All that and a lot more coming to you on the Happen to Your Career podcast. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe in whatever podcast player that you use so that you don't miss it. Definitely stay tuned for next week, episode number 200 and celebrate with us. And we are definitely very thankful for you helping us be able to make it to that. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. And as Scott always says, I'm out. Intermission. Take two.